I'm glad you're here. We're continuing our series called Pray, Invite, Bring today. And uh, as we're doing that, uh, really quickly, just an overview of the ser- a series. It's really quick. It's a three-week week series that's leading up until next week. And um, it, next week, I'm encouraging you to be inviting uh, people to join you here at Praise Assembly. More important, inviting them to a relationship with Christ. And, and as part of that, we're such big believers that relationships are how people are going to be introduced to Christ. That is a part of that in your bulletin today. You'll see that little Praise Pays envelope. I encourage you to take us up on that offer. Um, really, we want to invest in conversations happening around dinner tables next Sunday. And so I invite people to come and then also invite them out to eat. Please take us up on that. So where we began with this series really briefly is I started by asking you to pray. And I asked you first to pray for yourself and to spend a week praying primarily for yourself. Praying for your own heart. Praying first that you would care that God would give you a burden for somebody. And that you would care and the Lord would do that work in you. Pray that first. Second, then I ask that you would pray to be led, that the Holy Spirit would lead you, and that you would know what to say and when to say it and when not to say it and when to be silent and all of those things. So pray pray to care, pray to be led, and then I ask you finally to pray to be bold, that when the time comes and the Lord leads you, it's time for you to speak, that you would do that, that you would step out and have that boldness. And so pray to care, pray to be led, and pray to be bold. And I ask you to pray that for an entire week, and I know you all have done it, And that you spent a week praying just for yourself. And then this last week, I encourage you to be praying for them, whoever the Lord lays on your heart. Number one, that they would have an open heart. A heart that was open to the gospel. And number two, that the Lord would draw them. Because that's what the Lord does. Okay, so I ask you to pray for yourself first for a week. Pray for them for a week. And then last week, we talked about inviting, which should be happening this week. That you're inviting people to come. July 8th, inviting them to go out to dinner and talk about Jesus, whatever that looks like for you, but that you would invite. And I encouraged you last week to make it simple, okay? Keep it simple. It's not a proposal. You don't have to lay out like beautiful flower petals and light some candles and hire somebody to come around with a video camera. I always think that's funny uh, when you see proposals on Facebook and you're like, there was a dude following them around with a camera that entire time, like they don't know what's going on. You know what I'm saying? So you don't need to do that. You don't need to post a video to Facebook afterwards. Keep it simple. If the Lord has laid somebody on your heart and you've spent a week praying for them, I think you just lay that out. You just say, listen, this is weird. You've been on my heart. I've been praying for you. I'd love it if you'd join me at church. So just really just be very simple about it. Don't make it fancy. Don't, don't like try to pretty it up. And so I know you all have been along with me on this, and you spent a week praying for yourself, week praying for them, and now you're ready to invite. But if you haven't, if you were like me when I was in high school, and you had the first day of English class, your teacher said, hey, we're going to have one big paper for this class at the end of the semester, And you're supposed to do all these little parts as you move along throughout the semester. If you were like me and you waited until the last possible moment. And you thought, oh, I can just make stuff up and the English teacher won't know. 
Those English teachers know, man. Like, they have read so much stuff where, where people are just making it up. And everybody's like, oh, man, I'm so good at, at just, like, making stuff up. And, and the teachers don't catch on. They always know. But here's the thing. If you have not kind of gotten to this point, let me give you the Cliff's Notes version, what to do as of right now. Here's what I'm going to ask for you to do. If you haven't done anything else that we've been doing as part of the series, which none of you are in this boat, but maybe you were gone for a week or two. Okay, if that's you, here's the Cliff's Notes version. Start praying right now for what I'm going to call a divine appointment. Start praying right now that your path and someone else's path will intersect. Okay? See what God does. If you haven't done anything else, start there. This week, pray for a divine appointment and see what happens. And nobody else will know that you didn't do the homework, except for God. He always knows. But other than God, nobody else will know. They'll be like, oh, man, that you did exactly what you were supposed to do. And really, you just did the Cliff's Notes version. Okay? So that's where to start. All right. So then today, we're in the final week of this series. And uh, we called it Pray, Invite, and Bring. And so this week, we're talking about bring. Okay, so grab your Bibles this morning. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, there are Bibles that are spread out all across the seats. I'll reach over and grab one of those Bibles. If you don't own a Bible, that Bible is actually our gift to you. We would love for you to have it if you take it home with you and we have to replace it. That would be an incredible blessing uh, to us. And so for every Bible that's missing that we replace, we're like, praise the Lord. Because that means somebody didn't have a Bible and took it home. So make sure to do that. Um, They're going to hate it. But would you just welcome little Kylie Busking to service? this morning, her very first time here with us, Sam and Allison and little Kylie. Beautiful little baby, praise the Lord. Uh, So grab your Bibles. I was thinking about which way to go this morning, and I almost started with, uh, when we started this series, we talked about Andrew, and how Andrew, in, in the beginning of John, it says that Andrew invited, he brought Peter to Christ. And I was thinking, man, I should just follow P, uh, Andrew's life. Because here's the thing about Andrew. That's not the only time he brought somebody to Jesus. In fact, Andrew's mentioned 11 times in Scripture. Three of those 11 times he's mentioned for bringing somebody to Jesus. He brings Peter to Jesus. Then he brings the boy who has the loaves and the fish. And then there's, later on in John it says that there's some Greeks who wanted to meet Jesus. And guess what he did then too? He brought it to Jesus. And so what I'm just saying is Andrew was a bringer. And I'm like, man, I just want to follow Andrew's life. But there's another story that I love so much that just talks about this, that is so perfect for this, that we got to go there. So just remember, Andrew was a bringer. And then turn to the book of Mark. The book of Mark. If you would turn to Mark. We're going to be reading from uh, early in Jesus' ministry this morning. Uh, Early in Jesus' ministry. When I say it's early in his ministry... He doesn't even have all the disciples collected yet. There's some of his disciples that are missing. And so right after this story, it it talks about how he calls Levi to become one of his disciples. And so this is early in Jesus' ministry. And even though it's early in Jesus' ministry, um, it also is not like... He's already been doing miracles. He's already been doing deliverance, delivering people who've been demon-possessed. There's all incredible God's been moving across uh, Jesus' ministry. And so even though it's early in his ministry, he's already been working in incredible ways. And, and it actually says uh, in, in uh, the Gospels that early on in his ministry that there was so many people who started gathering around Jesus that at one point they were afraid Jesus would be crushed. 
And so as a result, they got like an emergency boat ready that they could put Jesus on and send him across the lake. And so they eventually do that. And then people run around the lake and they meet him on the other side by the, by the time he gets there. This is, this is the kind of ministry that Jesus was having even early in his ministry. And so we're going to be reading in Mark chapter 2 this morning. In Mark chapter 2, and, and it's early in his ministry, but even as he uh, was, there was some incredible things that were happening early in his ministry, it got so busy that he actually leaves the city of Capernaum. He leaves the city and goes out and he ministers rural in like the hills where there's more space and less chance of getting crushed and less people. And so he's ministering there for a while and then he comes back into Capernaum, which is where we're going to pick up in Mark chapter 2, verse 1. Here's what it says. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So he's gone for a while. He comes back to Capernaum. As soon as he gets back into town, word gets out. Jesus is back in Capernaum. And it says he's at home. Now, when it says he's at home, it's probably not actually talking about Jesus' home. This is probably actually talking about the home of, of Andrew and Peter. Because right before this, in Mark chapter 1, verse 29, it says that while they're in Capernaum, he's staying at the house of Peter and Andrew. And so this is probably at Peter and Andrew's house. The last time he was there, he had healed Peter's mother-in-law. And again, this kind of stuff spread, and people started showing up and, and just visiting and seeing what, what God was doing. And they wanted to watch and see these miracles. And so here we are in chapter 2, though, and it says that he comes back to this house, which is probably Peter and, and Andrew's. And verse 2, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door, and he was preaching the word to them. So he's not healing people here. He's not delivering people here. He's not doing the miracles here. What is he doing He's preaching the word. And when it says that Jesus is preaching the word, we don't know exactly what the word is that he was preaching on this day. We don't know the exact verses he's preaching from, where he's preaching, and exactly what he's saying. But we've got a general idea because right before this in John chapter 1, verse 14, it talks about the message that Jesus was bringing in general. Here's what it says. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying... The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So this is the message in general that Jesus is bringing. So we don't know exactly what Jesus is preaching here in Mark chapter 2, but we've got a general idea. It has something to do with the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. So repent and believe. Generally, that's the message Jesus is preaching. And it says that he is preaching the word. I want to mention that, I want, well, maybe I need to start with pulling back the curtain a little bit. Because if you haven't noticed, I have a very standard approach to preaching. And it started when I was a youth pastor. And the first thing you need to know is that I highly value the word of God. Okay? I know that the only authority that I stand on is the word of God. And that's why, even when I was a youth pastor, I did this. And I'm sure the youth hated it. It doesn't matter. I was the youth pastor. They're not the ones paying me. They don't even tithe, right? So, like, nobody cared what they wanted. It was just, anyways. All right, so, 
So my thing is that I made them every week have the Bible in front of them. And the reason for that is that I know that I could put whatever we want up on that screen. But if you have the Bible in front of you, and I start making stuff up, you're like, wait a second. That's not what that says. This is so essential to what we're doing that I always will get the word of God in front of you. Even Jesus himself, where is his preaching coming from? It's coming from the word, right? And so this is vital and important to me. But I have a standard kind of how I introduce it. And there's a reason for that. Okay, so if you haven't noticed, now you will. And it'll be like, oh, he's doing it again. That's all right. So I always say, start by getting the Bible. Everybody gets out the Bible. And I don't tell you where I'm preaching yet. Then I'll give you the book that I'm preaching in. That gives everybody a chance to get to Mark. And if you don't know where Mark is, you can take a little while to turn in the table of contents, look for Mark, and then you can eventually get there. And then after you get to Mark, I'll tell you what chapter it's in. You get to that chapter. But I don't tell you the verse until right before I start reading it. And here is why. Because when I was a youth pastor, like I, would, I started by just giving that out. And what I noticed was that people were just like reading through the passage I was going to read. And then they're like, oh, okay, he's going to say this, 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 and this. And then they tune me out for the rest of it. Okay, and I need to keep people's attention. And so this is what I do even to this day. Because I want to keep you with me and I want us all to be reading the verse together. So I go through this process to keep everybody on the same page. But since I've been the lead pastor here, every week now, after we put together the sermon, after I put together the sermon, I put together the notes... And those go out to 15 people every single week. So every week there are 15 people who know exactly what I'm going to preach on Sunday morning. And every week, like, I can look and I can see which of those people are following along in the notes. And they're just like, oh, he's going to go here next. And they have it all kind of lined out. And there's a reason why I do that. Most of them, if they get bored, doesn't matter. They're paid to be here and they can't leave, right? So it's okay. But some of them are volunteers. And, and even like when I'm preaching on Sunday morning, right now there are almost about 100 people who are volunteering in various capacities right now at Praise Assembly that are facilitating the ministry that is happening right now in front of you by me. Okay, and that's pretty cool to see. But the reason why they have to see it is because they are supporting the ministry they are ministering in their own right. And they need to have it so they know when to flip to the next slide or when to mute me because they know I'm going to say something they don't agree with. You know, something like that. So they need to have all that kind of laid out for them so they know where we're going. Well, here's the thing. Next week, if you are bringing people to church, you need to know what I'm talking about. Because you need to spend this week praying over it. And you need to read through the passage for yourself. And you need to know the direction that I'm going. Because if you're having lunch afterwards, you need to know where the conversation might go. So here's it, here it is. In spite of the fact that everything inside me, I'm like, I want to wait until the last minute to give him the chapter and verse. Here's the thing. Luke chapter 8, verses 22 and 20 to 25 is the passage I'm going to read. It's the passage that I'm going to speak on next week. Luke chapter 8, verses 22 to 25. It's the story of Jesus in the boat when the storm rises up and he quiets the waves. And the disciples say, who is this then? Who then is this? And that's the point we're going to come to. Who then is this? And the answer to that question is something we all need to know. Okay. 
And that's where we're going to go with it, and we will bring an opportunity for people to respond to the gospel. If you bring somebody next week, that's the message they're going to hear. I encourage you to read it this week, read the passage, pray over it, and pray over that person, and pray that that message really hits deeply in their hearts, okay? Because you are now ministers next week. You're ministers. You know what's coming, and so you need to be praying over it. Here it says that Jesus is bringing the word. He is not there healing. He is not there delivering. He is preaching. But even his preaching gets to the point where it's so full in this house that it is standing room only, shoulder to shoulder, and people who are at the door are trying to look over other people's shoulders to be able to see what Jesus is saying and hear the message that he is bringing. That's the setup. And then we get to verse 3. Mark chapter 2, verse 3. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. What I love about this verse is how little it tells us, while at the same time telling us so much. Because it says, and they came. But we don't know who they is. Right? Like, we get the list that there's at least five of them. But there may be more. Right? Because it says, and they came. But then it gives us more information. Among them were uh, four men who are carrying a fifth who's a paralytic. But it doesn't give us any of their names. And it doesn't tell us what their relationship is. Like, it doesn't tell us if these are friends, if these are, like, family members. We don't even know, when it says paralytic, what exactly that means in this situation. It can mean a wide range of things. Was it an accident? Was this person born this way? There's none of that information given because that's not what's important. What is important is that there is somebody who cannot come to Jesus. And while that person can't come to Jesus, there are four people who can and so they go through the process of taking this one and bringing that person to Jesus. What a beautiful picture this is. They bring him to Jesus. But there's a problem, right? We know what the issue is. They get to the door, and there's people crowded shoulder to shoulder looking in. And so it says here in, in Mark chapter 2, verse 4, And when they could not get near him because of the crowd... They removed the roof above him, and when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. So, in that day, we, we know because of, like, uh, 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 digs and archaeological digs, that the houses had the stairs on the outside, and so I guess there was always the chance that some random person would climb up on your roof and start digging a hole in your roof. And we know that the roofs were made of like this thatch that was probably rolled over the top with a mud kind of substance and probably needed to be replaced regularly. You know, maybe even as much as once a year you'd have to replace at least a portion of it in order to keep the rains shedding away the way that they're supposed to be shedding away. But what I love about these guys, as they come and they approach the house... They've got a couple options, right? Like, number one, you could just leave the guy at the front door. At some point, Jesus is going to have to come out of the house. 
And when he comes out, he's going to see this guy laying there and probably could heal him. But they don't do that. And, and you wonder how the process went in their brains or who's the ringleader or who's the one who decides, I've got an idea. Let's climb up on the roof. And maybe they don't have it fully thought through. Maybe they do. Who knows? But at some point, they climb up the stairs and they go, hey, I've got an idea. Let's dig a hole in the roof and then let's lower him down through it. Or maybe they weren't planning on lowering him down through it, but then it went so well with the hole digging that they were like, wow, this is big enough to lower him through. And so then they start lowering him. Like you wonder like how that process went. And again, we're not given any of that information, but boy, can you imagine how much of a showstopper that was? Like Jesus is speaking, and all of a sudden a clump of dirt hits the ground right in front of him. I guarantee you, the moment that first bit of dirt hit the ground, what everybody did. And you want to know how I know? Because when I first became the pastor here, it was that year when, I don't know if you remember this, but we had those infestation of bugs that looked like, um, that looked like uh, uh, the, the ladybugs. Thank you. But if you smushed them, they stank. You guys remember that? It was terrible. We started having bugs infesting even here at Praise. And so what we did was we actually put up some zappers. But we set them to turn off when service began. And then one time there was that time change. We didn't get off. And bzz, like what in the world's going on? Anyways, but there was, there was a time when like we were having all those bugs and there was actually flies too. And I came in like five months into being the pastor here. And like there was one time I was preaching where a bug died on the ceiling and started floating down actually landed on my head. Was anybody here that day? That was so awkward. And then one Sunday I came in and there were a bunch of dead flies on the pulpit. And I'm thinking one of two options. Number one, there's a plague. Like God is trying to send us a message. Or number two, somebody else is trying to send me a message. Like the dead horse head in the bed thing. Anyways, and so that's why we don't use the pulpit anymore. Uh, it was... But there was one of those days where I am preaching, and I am watching you all, and I see this. <laughs> Everybody is doing the exact same thing. I'm like, what, is the Holy Spirit moving? Like, I'm like, praise the Lord. And then I turn around, and like one of these lights up here has a bug going around it and around it and around it. It was awesome. Because the moment there's a distraction up here, everybody's paying attention to that. And Jesus might have been a little better at keeping people's attention than mine because he was Jesus, right? But even still, the moment that first clump of dirt fell to the floor, everybody's looking up for the rest of the time. And I bet you they didn't bring shovels. Because their initial plan when they headed this way was not, hey, let's climb up on the roof and let's dig a hole. Let's make sure everybody's prepared and has everything they need. Now they get there and they can't get in the door. And because they can't get in the door, they're like, let's climb up on the roof. Which means that when they were digging through this roof, they're using their hands, right? Clawing in and pulling it away. And the entire time there are people inside watching them. 
Finally, the hole is big enough. And they're like, let's lower him through to Jesus. Here's what I love about this. They didn't do it halfway. You know? They could have just left the guy at the front door. And probably Jesus would have come across them. But they didn't stop halfway. If you are bringing somebody next next week, don't just bring them. Bring them. Don't stop halfway. Don't be like, hey, it's the church with the big blue roof. Start by texting them the address. And then tell them what time you're going to meet them in the parking lot. And then tell them where you're going to go afterwards for lunch. And then chat with them before service and chat with them after service. And then take them out to eat and talk about Jesus. Why? Because if we're going to do this thing, let's not do it halfway and just say, hey, come on. No, you go the extra mile. You take the extra steps. Do what these guys did. Because they brought him to Jesus. Some stuff comes up. They find a way around it. They dig a hole in the roof and lower him through. And so then while he's lowering on this bed, here's Jesus' response. I love this. This This is probably my favorite part. Verse 5. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Exactly. Here's what I love about this. I guarantee you, when they were lowering this guy through the roof, that is not the statement that they were looking for. Like, I don't know if the guy got down to eyesight with Jesus and he starts, or if he waits until he makes it all the way to the floor. But the first statement he makes is, when he sees the incredible faith of this people, your sins are forgiven. If you were to go to the doctor, (laughs) you got surgery all lined up and you're prepped for surgery that morning and the doctor comes in and says, I know we had surgery on the docket, but I just want to let you know, your sins are forgiven. See you later. What? You know what I'm saying? You'd be like, no, no, I'm here for surgery. You got to give me surgery. When they were lowering this guy, the reason why they lowered him was the fact that he was paralyzed. And they were lowering him in order that he could experience healing. But what I love about Jesus is how they might think that was his greatest need. But Jesus knows what really is his greatest need. Right? They come for the healing, but he starts with the forgiveness. Because he knows, he sees what's in the heart that's obvious when you're reading this. And he recognizes, here is the deepest need. Now, when you invite somebody to come to church, there might be all kinds of reasons why they would respond. They might respond because there's something hard in their marriage. And they might think that's their greatest need. It's not. Their greatest need is for repentance and forgiveness and salvation. And they might come because they just want a free lunch. Their greatest need is for repentance and forgiveness and for salvation. 
They might come, and I've heard people say, the reason why I'm coming is I want my kids to be raised in, I, I don't believe it myself, but I want my kids to be raised in an environment where they can learn the fruit of the Spirit and all of that stuff. That may be why they think they're coming. But their greatest need is for repentance and forgiveness and salvation. And regardless of why someone might think they're coming, this is, without a shadow of a doubt, the greatest need. And Jesus looks at this situation and he starts with that which is most important. And he sees right to the heart of it. In fact, as you continue on, it says... um, It says in the very next verse, verse 8, And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, son, what is easier to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk? He says to him, he goes, listen, I just did the greater miracle. I just did that which was more impressive, but you can't see it, okay? I get that. So in order that you will be able to understand that I just did a miracle that you cannot see, here's what I'll do. I'll do a miracle that you can see. So here we go. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. So first Peter gets a hole in his roof, and now they start raising the roof. Because they are praising and glorifying God for a miracle that indicates a greater miracle. This is why we bring people to church. This is why we take our relationship with people and our relationship with Christ and we connect the two. Beautiful. But too many times... We leave it as theoretical. Oh, that's a great idea. That's fantastic. Praise the Lord. But then we don't do anything about it. I mean, we're talking about a miracle, friends, that we can participate in. And yet we don't. So what I wanted to do today was I wanted to take the theoretical and make it concrete. And a miracle that maybe you had no idea even happened in your midst. Share what that looks like. Because we have somebody here at Praise Assembly who is, I would say personally, the most Andrew-esque of us. Like, he's a bringer. And I've witnessed it on multiple occasions. And so I've asked him to come and kind of share a little bit about it. If you would, invite Kevin Michael down to the stage this morning. Would you welcome him this morning? All right, there you go. I promised you a cold brew coffee if you took this step and showed up on stage. Kevin is a big fan of speaking in front of people. Isn't that right, Kevin? You've got to speak into the microphone, though. Is it on? 
That's a good start. That's the, all right. So, Kevin. Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Got white microphone on. Good. Kevin, good. Who's your go. favorite pastor? Yeah, don't even think about it. All right, we're good. We're good. The microphone's not working, guys. Uh, what can we do about that? Uh, so if you don't know this about Kevin Michael, uh, legitimately has a heart for people. And I've witnessed it on multiple occasions, and I've watched as he's invited people and the results of that and the fruit of that. And so, um, uh, Kevin, I want to start just by asking you really, really briefly, um, where, where, did, where did you get your heart for people? Where did that come from for you? Where did that, how did that begin in your heart where you, where you began caring and having a burden for other people? Well, I'd just say um, as my walk with the Lord really began to grow, um, I've seen an increased desire and hunger to be active and be a part of God's work. And I'd pray and tell God, I want to be usable. I would pray that prayer, and I would encourage others to pray that prayer in our groups. Um, one evening, I had a young man, and he said he prayed a little different. He said that he just wanted to be accessible. And when I really looked at that, I thought, if I'm not truly accessible, I'm not going to be truly usable. And when I look at scripture to me that describes what being accessible is and what being usable, I look at Psalms 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Amen. As we delight ourselves in God and we come more about him and who he is and what he is, that becomes part of us. And he takes his heart's desires. He places them in our heart. And then the Holy Spirit takes those desires and puts them into action and provides opportunity. Um, just as you did prior to service, the message, um, we had a preacher that uh, asked the congregation to go home and pray for a divine appointment. And when I prayed that prayer, God has been over and over and over faithful mm. in providing that divine appointment. Over. Hmm. Uh, let's get to an, one of many people that you've invited to Praise Assembly who's come to praise and more important, invited to a relationship to Christ is uh, Tori Nevels. Uh, um, Tori came because you work with her and you uh, told her a little bit and invited her to come. Um, can you kind of just tell me, first off, like why you even shared, shared the whole story with her? Well, um, I returned to a job in the fall of 2015 and Tori and Joseph were uh, co-workers and I got to know them. And it didn't take long to really feel that here's two kids Sorry, your kids to me. <laughs> Getting old. Um, here's to a couple that really needs God in their life, their home, their family. And that you pray for coworkers. You pray for people that you're around day in and day out. But I could sense that there was a need here. So that prayer readily became target and focused prayer. And through events and situations, an opportunity was presented. And I got to share what God did in my life. Um, in our discipleship groups, what I see God doing so many lives and what God could do in their life. And the opportunity was there, the invite went out, and uh, they accepted. That was in the fall, I think, of 2016. Um, met him, my wife and I, Angela, we took him out to eat. We didn't try to force feed Jesus on him or anything, and that was the only time they came. That was it. And uh, so often I think that something like that happens, like next Sunday, if that's the only time they come, it's not over. If you ask right. God for that divine appointment, uh, there's a responsibility that comes with that. And you start praying. 
and you start focused, targeted prayer on that situation and that life. And uh, that's what it was. And then I believe in the uh, January that following year, they returned and have been back there ever since. So. Yeah. So can you tell me, first off, more than just inviting them to praise, what was the end result of, of inviting uh, Tori? Well, I shouldn't say end result. What is the result that has come from inviting Tori to, well, to join us at praise? Um, I've seen uh, commitments, hearts given to Christ. I see them become more and more active. They're raising their, their th- three-year-old, Cord. If you haven't had a chance to meet Cord, he's an awesome little dude. And... Uh, He's being raised here at Praise in the, in the church. So uh, Tori was part of the missions trip this year. Got to share her story and such. And since then, she's invited people and lives have been changed and there's lives being changed. So Yeah. In fact, do we have a picture of Tori's baptism we could throw up on the screen? That would be the end result right there, friends. Amen. Not the end result because that's just the result. There's more to come. And God has worked in her life. And as a result of that, which, by the way, can I just say Jenkins Diesel sounds like a great place to work. (laughs) Anyways, all right. So uh, I want to invite Tori Nevels to come down. Tori, are you in here right now? Tori, do you mind coming down as well? Would you give Tori a round of applause as well as she comes? Thank you, Tori. I brought you a cold brew as well this morning. I promised them that they would get a coffee if they came up on stage. Corey also is a big fan of speaking in front of people. Um, and so as a result, uh, Kevin, yeah, if you'd hand her the microphone, you're good at this point. You don't have to, you can just, just as long as you don't fall over, we're good. Uh, Tori, uh, so she came to praise and as a result accepted Jesus Christ and God's done some great things in her life, but then it's not done there. It continues on. And, and so, Tori, can you start by just telling us a little bit and really, I guess, we've got some time. Well, we've got a plenty, plenty of time. Well, I know that you went on the missions trip and you were able to share. Can you just briefly share a little bit about what that looked like for you? Uh, well, Kevin, like you said, he had invited Joseph and I in, I think, September or October of 16. And it was nice. I enjoyed the service. We went out to lunch. That was nice. And then life happened and we got busy. So we're like, eh, we'll get back one Sunday. And um, it was January 29th. And I remember I just had this awful night. And I called my mom because she's my security blanket. And I said, do you want to come to church with me this morning? She goes, yeah. I was like, I know this little church that Kevin took us to. And it was really nice. And everybody was friendly. And we went. And it was the You Belong Here series. And, I mean, it just hit me. Um, it made me feel like I wasn't alone, like I had somewhere I could go. I didn't have to have everything perfect. I didn't have to have my whole life figured out in order to be accepted by God and this wonderful church. Um, so I ended up giving my life to God that day, and then three months later got baptized, and then a year later went on a missions trip and got to see other people give their life by hearing my story and my team members' stories, and it's just incredible to see how everything has changed. Amen. Amen. And then, uh, so you went on the missions trip, but you also, it sounds like, even before you were committed here at Praise, you were inviting your mom to attend as well. Is that right? Yes. Okay, and so then she comes to Praise, and and end result of that, or the result of that, can you just really briefly kind of tell me what happened there? Um, I learned there were a lot of things that she was going through that I didn't know about, even though we were still together all the time. So she has now found this faith 
that. I mean, she, she always believed in God, but she's now at a point where she believes in God and she has a relationship now. And she's been sharing it with my sisters and her coworkers and just anybody that'll listen to her. Amen. She's telling them about God. Amen. And I, here's the thing. Um, God's still working through relationships in this situation. And there is more to come. Let me just say that. There is more to come. God is still working and moving what starts as one small invite continues and pings off of one and God works in that way. Isn't that amazing how that happens? One person accepts Christ and then they talk about that with someone else and shares uh, Christ in that all relationally. And that's how he designed this thing to go. What an incredible and beautiful thing it is. Tori, if there was one thing you could encourage the congregation in today, what would it be? Uh, definitely just ask somebody. Just say, hey, you want to come to church? You know, no commitment, no anything. Just come, enjoy yourself, and if you like it, you can come back. Amen. Kevin, anything that you would encourage the church with today? Yeah. I, I would. He's um, a deacon as well, just so you know. So with the authority that comes as a deacon. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. No. And you struggled with the favorite pastor comment? I'm, I'm sorry. still working I'm on sorry. it. All right, all right. No, well, what I would suggest is ask yourself, are you accessible? Do you delight yourself in the Lord? Because we can let the chaos and frustrations and the busyness of this life distract us from that. And, and spend time in prayer. We, we pray to God because of what he can do in our situations. But take time out in prayer and not to pray to him for what he can do, but for who he is. And get caught up in that and his glory. And, and asking for a divine appointment. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me today? Let's pray. Father, as we come to you right now, I thank you that you are a God who moves supernaturally. I thank you that you are a God who works in relationships, that you are a God who brings people, you call people, you draw people, and then you speak to us and ask us to participate in it. Father, I pray right now for divine appointments this week for all across this congregation. I just pray that you would bring people across our path, and I don't know what that looks like. Maybe it's somebody we've been praying for for a week, and maybe it's not. But whatever that looks like, I pray for a divine appointment for every single person in this room today. And I pray that as you bring those divine appointments about, oh God, that you would bring about a great awakening in their lives as well. May they understand their deepest need, their deepest need, deepest need, deepest need. Repentance, forgiveness, salvation. Jesus Christ. Father, may that be so obvious. And God, we do pray for next week. May your spirit be so obvious and so real and so heavy in this place. And take that message, that message of who then is this, and drive it into hearts next week. And we ask that you will receive all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. Have your way. In your name, Jesus. Amen.